Welcome to Devalue with Mike and Caroline, the place where we talk about art and money and how creative people are navigating the ever-changing landscape of trying to make a living for their work. We're going to be interviewing all types of creative people, and we'll be talking about all types of issues that creative people face. We hope you'll get something out of it. We're excited to welcome you to Devalued. Hey, Mike. Hey, Caroline. Who are we talking to today? We are talking to Josephine Foster, who is an indie folk legend. I loved this conversation. She is a beautiful soul. Yeah, she is like a messenger from a dream world. Yes. I think uh, hearing from people who are living different lifestyles through uh, their creation, their music careers, uh, it's good to get different perspectives, and hers is really beautiful. Yeah, she's been able to kind of follow her own muse everywhere and really create music that is deeply original and timeless And including her new album, Domestic Sphere, which is coming out soon. We were lucky enough to hear that before anyone else, um, which is a perk of podcasting. (laughs) And uh, it's beautiful as everything else she's done. And um, this conversation was super inspiring. Let's get into it. Let's do it. We'll start out how we usually like to start out and asking our big question uh, do you think money and art go together? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, ho- hopefully they flow together. But they don't naturally go together, I don't think. Do you think they've kind of been yeah. like forced together just by the framework that we're living in? Um. Let's see. Yeah, I guess they're like oil and vinegar a little. Um, I think art is um, is a basic human quality and activity that's not about commerce in its essence. Right. And I think that its origins are, um, um, I guess you could just say f- folkloric, something that is a part of daily life and a outgrowth of normal human activity. And uh, it's kind of like an ornamentation and, a, and also a celebration of normal life and exploring those things and the, the mystery of life and stuff. And the commerce part is, um, to me, a outgrowth of um, sp- more and more, um, I guess, um, w- more concentrated wealth systems and uh, specialization and, you know, and all of that. So, I mean, f- it is what it is at this point, but that's my, that's my slant on it. <laughs> no, I think that's beautiful. Are you, do you, where do you sit on this camp? Do you feel like, you know, music, is it a craft or is it an art? Because a lot of people here in Nashville will say like, um, especially session musicians that I've met, they'll be, you know, they've learned this trade, this the ability to play, um, you know, in a in a session. If it's no matter if it's like an R and B or a country, they can just go from room to room and just play on anyone's record, and it's mm-hmm. more of a trade to them mm-hmm. than it is an art. So where do you sit on that? Um, 
I think that has to do to me with like art artisan or artisania. How do you say that word? Art- Artis- artisanal? Artisanal. <laughs> like artisanal work. And again, like you could say um, that's something that is part of all the all the arts at, at their root, you know, even like cooking is art, you know, and it's like the traditional things. So you're, you can be, um, and then when you get more highly individuated, you might call that person more of a, you know, like, again, they get more specialized and they're doing, they're an artiste or whatever you want to call it, you know, and they're kind of like, they couldn't necessarily flow into all the other pools of, of music or whatever medium you're working with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And I don't think that's better. I think right. that I think it's a different kind of art. One's more self-effacing. One's more less of ego base to me a little possibly in some ways in that you're into the collective right. um, support uh, supporting a collective role. I don't know. No, that's, that's a big question. That's mm-hmm. great. I mean, being a fan of your music for so many years, one of the things that um, I love about it is the fact that it seems that you've really studied all different types of music, and you have a kind of a knowledge of of music from. It seems like you have like an infinity, <laughs> like you can go back forever in terms of like your influences. Um, whereas you know, if you listen to you know, some indie rock bands, it feels like their influences stop at like 1995. But you mm. go back a lot longer, it seems, and you've studied, um, it seems like you've studied ancient songs and ancient songwritings and mm. things like that. And I don't know um, if that's true or not, but I wanted to hear what you what your thoughts are on that. Well, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, when I was young, I was um, interested and resonated you know, with some contemporary things, but I was also mm, very deeply fascinated by time travel um, in terms of like um, sounds from the past, you know, whether it was like madrigals in the <laughs> in the choir or the hymns and some hymns in church that really, I found really um, uh, compelling and, and um interesting and and stuff or um and i felt that that was um a loosening of the boundaries of my time um and space and that seems to me the great um magnetism of music to me is you don't have to be locked into your time of course the future is also endless but there's also um there's written um, scores and then the oral tradition. So participating in that um, is really is a big part of not it's not the center of what I do, but it's, it's informed what I do a lot. And I think there's a, there's a mix of anonymous works that are that, that have the hands of many people that have disappeared. And then there's authored work, you know, by, you know, um, composers when that became, when the names started sticking on, at least names we can recall, you know, in history. So those are interesting as well. So that's kind of 
that juncture of the um, the same thing we were talking about just before, you know. Yeah, because so many of your melodies, including on your new album, sound like they've always been here. Well, I worry about that. <laughs> I think I just might don't know. I can't possibly go and check and make sure I didn't steal that. It could be that I, and I, I sometimes do try to make sure I shift things enough so that I feel that I've definitively put my spin on it. Not that I'm inventing the wheel, you know. The wheel is what we're all on. So I'm not trying to invent the wheel, but but in a sense, sometimes I just relax and go, well, I guess it doesn't matter. Hopefully I won't get, ever get into trouble for getting too close <laughs> to somebody, some living <laughs> work, but yeah. No, I mean, that's. I was implying that, I wasn't implying that, that you were like lifting from from people, but rather that when you hear your songs it, it feels like this song c- could have existed like 500 years ago or it, it feels like this song has ar- always been in the air in a way that a lot of a lot of contemporary music does not have that same feeling well thank you um i i feel that um to me it's only been a a joy to dig in the past, I mean, I've been interested to go and and experience and, and music you can actually physically embody different times and stuff. So that's um, a luxury. Um, so I, I guess if some people are disinterested in the last 40 years, I mean, that's a big, that's pretty normal. I think 1960s or 50, you know, a lot of people don't. The 40s is now ancient history mm-hmm. to a lot of people. <laughs> well, obviously, even the 70s, <laughs> things like that. Um, and I, it's really not my place to say anything, but um, there's a lot of, there's a lot more out there. So I don't know. It's fun to, fun to give it a try. Well, you've made a lot of music. Um, you've worked with a lot of people. Uh, I wondered what keeps you going. What is your muse? Um. Well, um, I think that the dream world is big for me. Um, uh, just things come to me, come to my mind. Um, sometimes I dream songs, um, ideas, uh, just pretty much like most creators, just little things that you're very curious about, a little phrase that comes to your mind, um, a feeling that you're able to translate into a chord progression or a, a sound, um, just the need to uh, canalize different uh, facets of, of my life into a song, and, and sometimes um, that's so satisfying, you know, to manifest a, this, this pattern, this melody, and this thing, and, and um, 
and uh, be able to return to it as well because it sort of exists now and you can yeah i don't know if that makes any sense yeah it does <laughs> for sure as an artist you're making your music you know you're translating all your thoughts and feelings and your uh inspirations into a piece of art when you get past that part and you get into sort of the um post-creation cycle that most art needs now in our modern world of promotion and all that do you enjoy that part too um well i i mean it's like a vintner makes a, has a good year and their grapes you know and they <laughs> bottle it up and they've had a, a really amazing time in the sun and harvesting those grapes and that it's kind of a, a compression of a poetic experience and, and work and a labor and then you get excited um to share it and, and to some degree like putting a label on a bottle you know that's a beautiful thing you know and then that somebody might have this independent experience of what you already experienced and and then it, it leaves your control and that's it's it's nice that it might give value to somebody's um, world, you know, and that's nice. It's fun. You know, you get excited, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to describe mm -hmm. it. I mean, I, I love that. My fiance is a sommelier, so she would very much appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so like when you're you're about to put out a new album and so you've spent these these songs have spent all this time in the sun and you're about to put the bottle on it and send it out into the world <laughs> yeah. so what do you so when you say like you hope that people find value in it um wh what do you mean like can you ex expand on that um well i hope that i have um plumbed my depths to a degree that um there's a um a truly a true insight or beauty that will touch and send energy into that person's endeavors you know um once in a while people say very unusual things that like i gave birth to a baby to one of your songs mm. or um you know things like I was homeless in my car for a long while and, and this music of yours was important to me. So that you accompany people as I've been accompanied by many artists in my, that's been my muses, many artists, many channels. So to join that river of, of flowing through other people's realities is, is really nice exchange. I love your poetic views <laughs> on too, music. Yeah. Like that's that's what I love to talk about on these episodes. You know, it's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Why do yeah, we? Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a it's a fight sometimes to get it out there, to get it funded. I mean, all yeah. of that can be so difficult. But I love hearing you know someone's that someone's soul needs to speak and can like hopefully is reaching out to help other people in their 
experiences. Like that's a very beautiful way to approach the whole thing. Uh, I do have to ask, are you able to sustain your life um, with your music? Or do you have other income streams? Um, primarily, yes. I mean, it's a very modest, modest <laughs> um, subsistence. That sounds like a rough term, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but it's not, I'm not um, embarrassed by that. But I certainly have um, traded a degree of stability that some people might not be willing to. For that, and um, and by the grace of a lot of friendships, I'm able to do that. And I used to s- supplement things much more with teaching, like I was before I left the states um, back in 2006. I was living in Chicago, and I was um, did tours and stuff. I'd started touring a few years before, but I was um, teaching like group voice lessons at the Old Town School of Folk Music, which I really loved, and I had private students as well. And um, but then when I left for Spain, um, and the places I lived in Spain are are not such big hotbeds of that. You know, I remember my my partner at the time was i was like oh we're we're here up in the in the <laughs> in the deep mountains of you know the sierra um uh, near granada and i was like well let's just put a little sign up that says music lessons and he just laughed he's like that is hilarious i mean <laughs> people don't want music lessons here there's you know they got the mule coming up with the cherries um they you know and that's part of what drew me there I kind of wanted to just see where there was a more natural life and and, and that was certainly part of it it's just like you just sing because you're singing in the festivities and you're singing with your family and you're singing at the church and music is just a part of life it's not this slightly neurotic <laughs> thing that's <laughs> developed where we get so um, separated from one another and we're in these nuclear families and then people don't sing anymore and then they become ill and they need to, you know, and they want to sing but they're blocked because they're so traumatized. <laughs> you know, let's face it. Mm. We're a very, very rich culture but there's a lot of um, weird fallout from capitalism and, and all the... It's just, it's it's a strange place, the USA, you know? I mean, I love giving voice lessons, but I know that it's half of it is, it's, it is a therapy, you know? It was a therapy for me when I took voice lessons. Mm. Have you, you know? enjoyed your time in other countries, kind of outside of this sphere? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would recommend. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I think if... If you have an opportunity to do meaningful work and elsewhere outside of being a tourist, you know, that's take it up and try try to learn another language, um, see what you can contribute somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Have you had to kind of be daring with your finances to um, live kind of the non-traditional lifestyle? 
Well, um, what do you mean by daring? <laughs> <laughs> For a lot of people, um, doing something without a financial safety net uh, is almost impossible to right. think of. Yes. Yeah, it's true. And it's discouraged yes. in our society not oh, yes. to take risks. They say, yes. like, have a, have a plan B or... Yeah. Know. Well, we're all very different. Some people need that stability and and i respect that and um i mm, i guess my first part of my life i was didn't travel much my family was very much stayed in colorado you know we went to like once to south dakota (laughs) to see the rushmore i remember that (laughs) i was like i don't know this is not (laughs) scratching an itch for me you know we like smaller than we go sometimes to new mexico or something so i had barely i'd never seen the ocean when i was 19 i saw the ocean so wow you know i i lived i had a very big build up pent up wanderlust Mm. and then yeah so that's also part of it you know and then a willingness to be Almost reckless, in a way, and definitely mm, for ghost ability. Yeah, there's a lot in a big of way. <laughs> th- there's a there's there's something to be said about, um, in at least in our, in our society that it, like living a an artist life is almost the same thing as taking a vow of poverty, but at the same time you get to opt out of the nine to five bullshit and. Uh, the the life of of choked up, you know, push all your feelings down, <laughs> resentment until you get cancer and then die. Oh, oh, that's rough. That's a rough, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like there's a, some or, truth to it. I yeah, mean, it's a, there's a I truth just, in every joke, I guess. <laughs> right, but it's you know, opting out of that mainstream wow. nine to five yes. grind is for a lot of people a worthy trade off. Well, um. Yes, I've worked one year full-time. I think I was 20. I just got out of college. I was 23, and I worked one year in a preschool, teaching preschool music, and that was my only year of doing 9 to 5, and I really didn't like it. Yeah, (laughs) I enjoyed, I really enjoyed certain things, but I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to try to, try to stay away from this if I can and mm. even even do very you know and then I did a lot of you know after that I, I left uh, for Chicago I did a little grad school I did a little theater and I was working as a waitress and I was working um, you know doing a little bit of teaching and stuff but I was even happier doing various jobs than one solid job you know variety but um but i wasn't somebody who was like i need a i want to start a family i want to have a house you know so that's a very different life path for some people yeah and so and one of the the beautiful things about opting out of that as an artist you get to kind of deliver the the fruits of opting out to the people that are are have opted in and sure you know you get to be a kind of a messenger from the dream world to the people who are 
at their computers every day or something <laughs> or driving a truck around you know yeah and I, I mean i think everyone's reality is interesting to me I, i'm very um interested in uh people who have children and haven't moved and they've stayed with this you know that's fascinating to me so i don't think mine is a superior choice but um but often i'll sit with somebody like that and we'll be just like how wow what a life you know and <laughs> like my old friend my oldest friend she's like i can't believe you live this life and i'm like i can't believe you live this life it's, i mean it's so intriguing to me you know this <laughs> children and and the married family and the, in the same hometown and you know yeah. it has the beauty to it yeah for yeah, sure it does yeah. Yeah, some people balance both. I'm and that's the not that's true too. Yeah, seems yes, very and, hard. Yes, so there's no one path. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing we try to discuss here is that uh, there's so many ways to find whatever your spirit is looking for or whatever you're good at. Um, so I'm glad we have you on to talk about this particular style of living. Um, so are you kind of transient right now? Where, where are you calling home at the moment? Well, um, I am a bit, um, transient. I guess that's the word. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I'm trespassing. I don't, I, hopefully I'm not trespassing, but, um, I, um, I, in the, actually, interestingly enough, in the pandemic, I, um, that did force me to have a, um, a stillness that is part of this new record that's sort of reflecting on it a little bit. But um, I, you know, I rented a house in my old hometown with a partner and and was filled it with all you know. Went to the thrift store and got curtains and you know had a lot of fun like. This is a house and set it all up and um and then it all fell apart and i was like i don't know if this is my i'm ready for this or it's just it's almost like a play you know it's almost like a playhouse mm -hmm. you know um that's been in spain many years every every place is furnished down to the towels and the silverware so you can very easily float from place to place with just what you have, your instruments and a few th books. That's part of what's made it easy to be a, a little bit of a gypsy type of life. And then, um, so this time I was like, oh, well, I'll get my own silverware. I'm going to get <laughs> my own towels. And, you you can know, make all and those I was, choices. Yeah, but... Um, it didn't quite pan out, but it was fun for a little while. Well, yeah. the new record is filled with sounds, and I wanted to ask you about this. Is It's filled with like field recordings, bird songs, and crickets, and songs of like... Um, I was wondering if that's songs from... I mean, sounds from around the house? Because it is called Domestic Sphere, so yeah. I was wondering if that's all related to it. Um. Well, there are some like from just like my like my balcony in a one village place I lived in. The the cats and the heat woke me up, so just 
recorded them out on the street and um and then um just a place that I like to go meditate walking uh even some some things from here in Nashville you know a couple sounds some bird sounds and um just just things that uh, I think most people do this just now you have your little <laughs> handy I used to carry the little tiny field note, recorder yeah, yeah like a little um voice notes machine kind of thing and now yeah. it's on your phone but so some of them are that but it's nothing like um it's just things that were personal to me to my memory and mixing those into the songs was was pretty fun and um, a lot of synchronicities happened with that that were really unexpected cool. on how they happened to be in the the key of the song and and in the rhythm or just a lot of a lot of things that maybe no one will ever notice but <laughs> was very satisfying to me you know and and summons up a lot of my memories yeah it creates a sense of place for the songs to live in i yeah. think it really yeah. it's beautiful i think mm. thank you so i wanted to ask you um because we were talking to suzanne chiani and she had this great quote um where she said to be an artist you have to trust that you have something original to say and i wanted to know when you first had that inkling in yourself? Um, well, I think um, it happened in a few different moments, um, just as far as a voice, like yeah. the voice. Um, I remember that pretty distinctly because I was the first time I sang by myself in public. I was like 11, and um, there was like a school um, performance, and it was uh, it was really cute. It was like one of these little skits, kind of narrative skits on a theme, and it was called Sky Happy, Sky Happy, and it was about the history of aviation. And um, And I sang this, with three girls, we sang this song about Amelia Earhart called Lady of the Air. And so it was kind of together in harmony, but then each of us had a solo. And um, and I was like, Lady of the Air, my Amelia. Lady of the Air, my ideal. Lady, won't you say where you are today? Lady of the Air, Amelia, and then it went on. But um, I, I think I was connecting a lot to this mystery of her death or disappearance because my father, my birth father, crashed his plane, and when I was a baby, and died. Wow! So um, I think there was like some sort of really deep connection to that lyric and like I, I don't think I was ever mourning him because I didn't know him you know but it was still like um, um, from my own personal mythology that's a significant thing you know and I had a stepdad or adopted father already but but I, I think 
I was really soulfully singing and I had that resonated with people and I was like, oh, when I sing, you know, people kind of tear up and they can, and I, it was an authentic thing th that um, I could do that felt really good and also, so I think that's what we're all looking for is that place that we can really be ourselves, but um, it reflects back. Um, you know what I mean? That there's things I might like to do, but I might not get feedback for that. So it's more just a personal thing. But the, the vocation that we have might be the thing where we get that feedback. So it's a, a meaningful exchange that we know we're helping people feel deeply or healing them if you're a doctor or, a, you know, medical person or, you know, things like that. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of a long story, but no, that's beautiful. That's <laughs> yeah. an amazing story. Um, when did you start writing songs, and how did you know that you were any good at that? Uh, I was always kind of. I was really liked to write and do creative things. I liked, in fact, I liked making little radio shows, you know, with the cassette tapes and <laughs> doing funny things like that and <laughs> um, probably you guys too I should be asking you those <laughs> like pretend TRL episodes yeah exactly yeah <laughs> um, and then my at my grandma's she had a piano and then I would just kind of improvise on it and then we got our neighbor's piano they sold us their big upright and um, I really liked how storytelling could um, easily flow into making just sound. And then um, writing songs came um, basically when I was about 15, 16. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and uh, I was in the, through the choir um, at school, she had started a little theory club, like music theory, and I joined that and um, and learned a little about notation. And I really um, quickly was like, "Wow, okay." So I sat outside and I was like, "How do I make the sound of the wind?" You know, and I was like, "Okay, a clarinet and this, and then the voices." And I scored it, and uh, it was kind of influenced by like WC and and that sound which i had just heard for the first time kind of blew my mind like the the that um that school of the french impressionist composers or whatever they're called and um and it and it was just i was just writing since then in different ways sometimes just simple joke songs like really ridiculous guys like I, I was working at a fast food restaurant when i turned 16 my mom's like go get a job um, they're hiring down there at that fast food restaurant. I was like, I was like, okay. And I just went down there. <laughs> like, mom, my mom's like really, you know, and she she knows when certain things have to happen. So, sixteen, get a job, and I would be in the in the um, drive-through line, writing poems, you know, and just making silly voices, and just because I thought it was so hilarious the whole thing, and I wrote this song called. Um, and this must have been in um, 1990. 
I wrote this song called Minivan Ma'am because it was all about the <laughs> minivan van then. It was all this new thing. I was like, hey, ma'am, in the minivan, two kids in the back seat. But where's your man? <laughs> That's a hit. That is. A, That's honestly like golden pop hit. Gold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I I didn't ever really sing that anywhere. Else. But um, you have to bring that one back again. Yeah, I love to it. Flesh that one out. <laughs> so anyway, it was just like any you know. I'd like I'd make fake broke songs and you know all the different things. Just playful playfulness. So. That seems like an important thing in uh, staying excited about creating for hopefully a lifelong journey of various creative uh, endeavors. Do you you express yourself creatively other than uh, just music? Yeah, I like to paint and draw and um, uh, write poetry and garden. Um, I love, yeah, um, I love film and, um, do you consider gardening an art form? I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it is. (laughs) I think W.H. Auden had this line, gardening is civilizing. Oh. And that's probably true. It is very. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Not to get too deep into like lit. (laughs) <laughs> this is an educational very true, podcast. Very true. <laughs> do you do you read a lot of poetry? I was wondering that. Um, honestly, n- not at the moment, but um, but I read a little bit. Hmm. I read a little bit. Um, but when I was, um, yeah, when I was younger, I was a big li- you know, always at the library, and you could check out. Uh, records, LPs, and you could check out obviously books, but you could also check out paintings. Wow! Yeah, really? you could check out a painting for three weeks and um, put it up on your wall, and and then take it back. There was these big rows like poster files, you know. Wow! And um, that's incredible. And the library yeah. was like, I just I love the library, and and then later in school, I worked at the music library at the university, and just would have piles of scores you know i loved reading through songbooks and just lps and um i think that is something i really um i was never a record collector like i'm gonna buy and buy and just have my own private thing i really believe in the collective ownership of those things uh, when possible yeah i i agree with that i i grew up going to my library too and just renting cds and cassettes and just there was something cool about knowing that this collection existed in this one place and everyone had access to it yeah and i feel like the library is an untapped resource Mm -hmm. we should interview a librarian oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes i wonder if the idea of a library was presented today like there like we didn't have libraries before and someone presented (laughs) that idea like our government would fund this yeah, place right. where you could that's, find information. That's way too communist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is in a way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful thing. It really is. This this one place. And they're often beautiful buildings. Yeah. Lots of light. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially if you go traveling. The library is one of the best 
places in any town. Yes, know? absolutely. Library yeah. churches. Mm-hmm. Yes. I agree with that. We're all pro-library here. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I'm going to leave. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I was wondering, like, um, the sense of play and how do you cultivate that and and keep it keep the flame going of of imagination when there's so much distractions now mm. a lot of the songwriters we talk to have to fight with their phones mm-hmm. yeah you know put their phone down or get off the internet for a yes. while and just kind of daydream yes because it's so important to the creative process how do you navigate these times of distraction <sighs> yeah I mean, it's a, it's a big um, discipline that's required for all of us as much as we can. Um, I try to um, book in the day with a lot of space without engaging, um, and then I try to walk once or twice a day without the, the phone and just... Um, and it's it's gotten worse you know it's i didn't have a funny phone until probably later than most people and i used to look at people and laugh and go oh they're so crazy it's like they've been eaten it's eating their brains (laughs) you know and and they'd be hunched over and i go what is this you know and um and then i was given one (laughs) and then i was joined joined the sheep (laughs) um and then i was never the instagram i was like what are they doing you know i never really hardly engaged engaged with facebook and then during the must have been in the pandemic i was like i'm gonna try the instagram out because i want to keep some sharing and i felt so isolated but Mm. i'd say it was it's a it's a it's a black hole (laughs) it's a black hole that i have to really because all of a sudden I'm connected to friends and stuff that I want to be connected with, but at the same time, it's over-connection in some degree. Like, um, and it's hard to, to mitigate the boundaries because it's all spilling towards you and, you're, and you, it's positive in the sense that you want to support everybody. And you, you are interested in, but it's so much, and then your time in your real in your real present moment um starts to dwindle and you know time is so precious and our life is so precious and the people were really around but the pandemic has certainly served to divide and and break up a lot of community and now being an artist too you're you're almost expected to have these social media yeah i don't know what they call them handles (laughs) (laughs) i know i sound like a boomer but but you're supposed to um you know post every day and post all the time and share and and um and it's good in a way because you know you're reaching your audience but it's also you know there's something superficial about posting and I don't know. Maybe that's too cynical. Mm. Maybe because what people choose to share might mean something to them, and I'm just being a douche. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, not you. <laughs> <Just> well, <kidding. laughs> 
it's it's like a bulletin board, you know, like a community bulletin board, and you'd walk by and you'd see everyone every day put their announcement. But that's a lot, you know. Maybe it used to be a poster here, a poster there, but um, so and so it's a little that again. Everyone has to. I, I think we're very naive in a way. I've, I feel real naive about it to think that you can step in these waters and not um, be touched by the murky creatures that you can't see that are the powers within that are designing these and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, I'm currently wrestling with that, you know, because um, it is. It's like once everybody's in this thing, you're in the thing, you right. know, yeah. <laughs> and everybody yeah. walks out of it. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's it's a challenge at but the moment. It's yeah. the murky creatures that you can't see sounds like something that you would write about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, free song inspiration. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll write that down. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as um, this, I'm sure you get asked this a lot by younger people but you know a life in the arts and on your own terms um how would you what would you say to somebody who's trying to to do that who's trying to have a career not a career but a life in art and navigate all the all the things that you have to do as an artist to 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 be okay with who you are and what you're doing and the yeah. art you're making. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes back to this subject of the social media, which I would say, what a blessing to not have grown up in that, personally. I mean, that that's a bias <laughs> of a generation, but just to have had so much time, uninterrupted time, so, and to really just be, be not have the scrutiny and the um, commercial pressures of any sort for so, you know. Um, so if you, if I was going to say to someone, it would be, uh, um, don't try to be a professional artist at all. Just pl play and see what happens, but don't try because it's all about experimentation and love and, and following the thread of your deepest um, uh, discoveries, you know. And that's a very private thing in a way that you need to give yourself a lot of time, solitude with friends and, and um, this this process of incubating a baby or a, a work of art, it behooves you not to be, to me, to be overly displaying that precious time and that precious um, uh, new form, you know. Um, and uh, let yourself just connect to the source of whatever you believe it is, but just that should be your primary connection, not 
the exhibition of your work. That should be the last thing when it's ready. Um, I have a little poem that's what called What Sadness Is, What Sadness Is, and it's just a, not even a poem. It's What Sadness Is to Prematurely Birth Anything Upon the Earth. So that includes um, your art. Um, give yourself time. I've certainly precipitated some decisions. Um, my first band uh, that was on a label was a band called The Children's Hour with my dear friend Andy Barr. And um, we were just literally, we were just buddies playing on the front porch like, let's make songs that are like teenage songs and just kind of really connecting to, I was getting out of opera school, I didn't want to be, I wanted to go to explore other parts of music that I didn't know. And it was like a naivety to it and playing around just these dive bars in Chicago and people just started to like that, you know, we really like this. And then a couple labels and we're like, really? This is, um, this is almost a joke, you know, it wasn't a joke, but it was really, it was just for us. And we signed with this little label. It was the first label that came forward because we were like, we didn't really care. We didn't know the value of that precious time, you know, and enough. And we were seduced by this, I mean, I believe it was a kind person, but we didn't really need to do that then. And, um, and the art wasn't ready. The songs, we just were... Um, trying all these things and then we went in the studio and that's the only time I worked with a quote-unquote producer because he was trying to he wanted to be this person who was masterminding these these new art you know and I don't believe in that anymore I don't believe in this producer role of it outside of the artists themselves I'm not really I don't connect to that because I think that's part of the creativity of the that the, of the the group or the you know I think that's more authentic um but whatever it's that's another subject but um and we were just like really awkward we weren't ready and we weren't really pleased and we felt pressured and you know so I would I guess you can't really save people from those experiences you know I'm not going to save anybody from that but um it it's okay to say no and just wait and just wait until you really know it and you're like now I know it I know it you know and take it just value that um, incubation period and your own timing and yeah your gut and and just enjoy your privacy enjoy that enjoy the secrets there does seem to be a bit of uh I don't know, an urgency about some artists yeah. that they just can't keep it very long. They need to get it out just as quickly as possible. And I don't know if that's maybe due to the constant demand that social media and streaming services ask. Um, you know, if you if you create more content for our platform, mm -hmm. then we'll mm -hmm. show it to more people. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of this cycle of yeah. you make for us and we'll get it to yeah. people, but ultimately yeah. the money goes to us not you yeah yes <laughs> that's it's a bit sinister yeah for sure mm -hmm. <laughs> yes 
Well, many of my friends who are great artists, some of them are full-time artists, but many of them aren't. Many of them have a trade. Many of them do other work. And I think that's totally legitimate and totally beautiful. And it's just as rich. Possibly at this moment, if I go back, I probably might be a little more serious about sustaining that because I think it roots you in in the in in the life of humanity more. I don't know if things have shifted since you know in the last 10, 20 years, but um, I think art that comes out of people who are really I mean I guess I had a lot of experience before. I worked a lot of jobs. I didn't just like, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be a this or that. You know, I I feel like I did keep pretty grounded for a long while with normal jobs. So I'm sort of in between. But um, anyway, I'm definitely rambling on that, <laughs> that <laughs> subject. <laughs> it's like an interesting topic with a lot mm-hmm. of different layers and yeah. life experience feeds into that opinion probably yeah. more than anything else. Um, I do think things have changed a little bit over the past 20 years about just the demand for what an artist has to give all the time, whether it's your personal life, your privacy, or just the amount of art you have to put out to be considered relevant at uh, a certain point. Oh, yes, I I don't pay much attention to it. Um, but um, at the same time, I do have a lot of urgency but it's more like a spiritual urgency because I'm just like, I want to share this. But I think that's that makes me feel okay. I feel okay about that. More natural cycles. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing that I think people are getting away from is the natural cycle of creation, incubation, um, exploring, just like different phases of life that, will create art if a artist lives them, you know. Um, it's kind of turned into mm. a factory now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's strange. I can't, fa- I can't fathom it. I can't put my head around it, you know. I definitely am not a, a voice of authority on any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would like to live the kind of life that you have lived and are living now. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. Well, I think mm, all you have to do is be willing to not get too attached to material things. And that's um can be hard certain things, but um that's I think if you master that, <laughs> it'll give you some fluidity, you know. Music career is yeah. almost like a religious path. <laughs> you have to yeah. forego all your earthly yeah. goods. Well, <laughs> earthly comforts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be playing Big Ears in March. Yeah. And are you going to be touring on the new record? Um, I'll be playing some shows around the States and um, probably up in the New York area and then um, Chicago. Uh, do some Northwest and LA and stuff. So I'm going to bounce around a little. It's been a while since I've gotten yeah some little mini 
many tours. That's cool. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Yes, I am, especially to see friends. Yeah, because my community is so spread out. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. We can't thank you enough for coming on. It's such a pleasure. The show is wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Devalued. For more information about our podcast, please visit devalued.show.